when I moved to the Midwest, there was one thing I was more excited about than anything else, and that was fall, all right? Like fall, the season, autumn, if you want to be bougie with it. Uh, I grew up in Texas, and then I lived in Arizona for a couple years, so I felt like I had never seen a real fall. My family members in Indiana would text me pictures and videos and taunt me with it. So I was incredibly excited when I came up here for a long extended period of time with pumpkin spice and apple cider everything. And I was lied to by myself. Um, Because somewhere along the lines, I've, I've never lived anywhere with Four Seasons, I lied to myself and thought that if a city has four seasons, it's split into three months of winter, three months of spring, three months of summer, and three months of fall, and you're laughing at me because you know I was stupid, and that's fine. You're not wrong. So I was shocked when I got here, and I didn't get three months of fall. And instead, I found out that the seasons here in the Midwest go a little bit more like this. Winter. I am from Texas. This still scares me. I do not know how to drive in the snow. I am sorry. Full spring. I am the fool. Second winter, seasonal depression. Spring of deception, it rhymes with seasonal depression, but no, this just makes you think you're ready for third winter. Why? Mud season, all right, that one's nice, that's fine. Actual spring, really cool, lasted way less than I thought it would. Summer, you are here. False fall, I'm still excited about false fall. Second summer, I'm less excited about that. Actual fall, last for a couple weeks in October. This year, I will not travel in October. I have learned my lesson. Welcome to the Seasons of the Midwest. Thank you so much for being here. Y'all have a great day. Um, so I was, I was shocked to really learn that Seasons here worked a little bit more like that. And kind of I thought about it and thought about what we're going to talk about today. And it's this idea of seasons. See, God works in seasons in our life. And so seasons, it doesn't need to be summer, spring, autumn. I mean, seasons is it's a period of time with a specific start and a specific end that's tied together by a theme, all right? That's what a season can be. So God works in our life in seasons. Um, that can be a spiritual thing. So you could have maybe a season of waiting, where you're waiting for something new or something different. Maybe that's a season of loss. Maybe it's a more exciting season, but God works in seasons, and so here's, here's the main idea. Like, it's not some secret plot twist. Here's the main idea for this morning. It's that we can be faithful in any season, right? So in every season we find ourselves in, whatever that one is for you, we can be faithful. Here's our operational definition for faithful. Like, here's what it means to be faithful. Faithfulness is a continuous commitment to honor and obey God with our head, with our heart, with our hands, all right? Maybe it's a little more drawn-out version, like, hey, honoring God with everything you've got. So mentally, we want to love God with our minds, also with our emotions, with our heart, and then also tangibly, and how we serve him and how we serve other people. That's what it means to be faithful. The story we're looking at today is one of my favorites in the Bible. It's the story of a man named Joseph. So it's really early in the Bible. It's in the book of Genesis. We're covering a lot of ground from Genesis 37 through 49, give or take. Um, But the story of Joseph is really special to me for two reasons. One as we see Joseph is just an example of faithfulness. In all sorts of different situations he finds himself, he honors God with his mind, with his heart, with his hands. And second is because Joseph has a life that's really just a great picture of what it looks like to be in different seasons. So that's what we're going to be doing. Is we're going to look through the story of Joseph with this idea that we can be faithful 
in any season. And Joseph's story starts in a season of autumn. So autumn or fall, like this is a season where things are about to change. Maybe they haven't changed yet, but they're about to change. And that's where Joseph starts out. So we're going to start the story uh, in Genesis 37. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, 17-year-old men known for wise decision-making and great choices, um, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. Horrible work situation. Forget just working with family. This is working for, reporting to older stepbrothers. But Joseph reported to his fathers, so he snitched some of the bad things his brothers were doing. And we get favoritism. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. That's a horrible way to pick a favorite kid. I had you last. You're the favorite. No. Uh, Firstborns, let's go. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Christmas gift ideas for your 17-year-old boys in your life? Beautiful robe. There you go. But his brothers hated Joseph because of his robe. No, because his father loved him more than the rest of them, and they couldn't say a kind word to him. So we find ourselves in the season of autumn, just ready for change. That's all. It's, it's a very tense situation. Something is going to change. You've got favoritism. You've got nepotism. You've got a really weird work environment. And then Joseph's a 17-year-old boy, and then he's telling on his brothers, it's going to go poorly. And surprise, it does. Uh, Joseph has a dream, and he dreams that his family, including all of his brothers, were actually bowing down to him. So he goes, and then he tells them all about it. He goes, hey, guys, I had a dream last night. You're going to love this. You all bow down to me. And they loved it so much uh, that his life moved from autumn to winter. Uh, we'll get to what that looks like in a second. But like, as Joseph is getting ready for that transition, man, he's in that time of autumn. Maybe you guys are in or you have been in a season of autumn. It's when you know things are going to change, but they haven't changed yet, right? So maybe you've got a job, and you know that at a certain point in time, your job is it's ending. Maybe your company's moving their jobs to another country, or maybe you know, hey, my, my visa's coming up. I'm going to have to go somewhere else. Like, I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it's a season of automatic change. Maybe you're engaged, all right? So you're going to be married, but you're not married yet. And so you know that it's a season, and it's going to change, but it hasn't. That's autumn. All right? Maybe you find yourself in a season of autumn. After autumn often comes winter, or at least it did for Joseph. So he went, he told his brothers that dream. They loved it so much, they uh, gave him a round of applause, and then they grabbed him and they threw him into a pit. And then they told their family that he died and was eaten by a wild animal. And then they took their brother Joseph and then they sold him into slavery to slave traders headed to Egypt. So Joseph finds himself um, in a season of loss. He's not just lost his family. I'm sure he didn't like him too much in the moment, but he's also lost his expected future. Like he was a shepherd, he had a job, there was security, and all of that was gone. And winter can feel like that. It's a loss. Sometimes we think of loss as a loss of a loved one. And it can be, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a loss of what we expect. The loss of the future that we anticipate. Maybe the loss of stability. Winter is often a time of pain or confusion. That's where Joseph finds himself. Maybe that's where you're at today. Time of loss. Season of winter. There's nothing I can tell you that makes winter emotionally good. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I've been there, and if you're there, I understand. And winter doesn't last forever. Sometimes a while, but not forever. And it didn't for Joseph. 
See, after he's lost his family and his expected future, sold into slavery, he starts working for a guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar's, uh, he's high up in the Egyptian world. And so Joseph finds himself working there as a slave. But we do see it move to a season of spring. So Joseph is now working for Potiphar. And even as a slave, we see growth. I think it's really cool. Joseph started out as a shepherd. And he wasn't at the top of the totem pole. So it's not as if he would have had a lot of administrative knowledge or ability. But now he starts working for Potiphar. He starts at the bottom, and he starts working hard and getting promoted. Here's just a little bit of that story. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Potiphar was, sorry, from the day Joseph was put in charge of Potiphar's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. And all his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So we see Joseph in the season of spring and growth, and he starts out as a shepherd. Now he's a slave, but we see him working his way up. And God is blessing Joseph, and he's actually blessing other people through Joseph. And spring is that season of new growth. Maybe that's a new relationship. Maybe that's romantic. Maybe that's like a family member. There's a a new family member relationship. Maybe that's a new job opportunity. Like spring's often the stuff we get excited about. There's a new job opportunity, maybe a new ministry opportunity. Spring is characterized by something new. And God's with us in the spring as well, when there's something new and exciting. And after spring comes summer, except when it doesn't. Just like in the Midwest season, sometimes you go from spring to winter, and it feels like we bounce around. And that's what happens in our lives too. It doesn't always go like a calendar year. We're okay, so it's winter, now it's better, now it's great. Sometimes it goes back and forth between spring and winter. And that happens in Joseph's life as well. So he goes from the spring and this new opportunity um, and it goes downhill. See, Potiphar had a wife. The wife looked at Joseph, thought he was really cute. Want to make jokes about this? I can't. We're just going to skip over him. And uh, Joseph is actually like, he's seduced by Potiphar's wife. He says no. And then he actually gets framed for sleeping with her, even though he didn't. So Potiphar's mad and throws Joseph in jail for something he didn't do. And so instead of going from spring into summer, we see Joseph go from spring actually back into winter. And so now Joseph, he's been a slave, he's worked his way up, now he's in a jail. And, and one of the things I love about Joseph is in whatever season he's put in, he's faithful, and he honors God. He works hard. And even in jail, Joseph does well. You're, I know you're looking at me, you're like, man, you would not do well in prison. And you are absolutely right, I would not. But Joseph did. And Joseph succeeded there. And the warden noticed this, and just as Potiphar put him in charge of more, the warden puts Joseph in charge of more. While he's there, he's interacting with a lot of different people. He meets a cupbearer to the pharaoh. So the pharaoh is the ruler of Egypt, and a cupbearer is one of the personal attendants to the pharaoh. And so Joseph meets this cupbearer, and the cupbearer has a dream. Joseph's able to interpret it for him, says, hey, this is what your dream means. You're actually going to get out of prison. And so the cupbearer hears that and then gets out of prison. And Joseph's one request is, hey, just remember me when you get out of here. And in what seems to be one of the saddest verses in Joseph's story, we get this in Genesis 40, verse 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. 
And that's heartbreaking. Because when we find ourselves in seasons of winter, and we want to be remembered, we don't want to be forgotten about. If that's where you're at right now, the longer winter drags on, the more we often feel forgotten about. Like at the beginning, when something tragic happens, everybody knows and everybody's ready to help. But then the longer that goes on, the harder that is to sustain and the easier it is to feel forgotten about. The good news is that God never forgets his Joseph. If you find yourself in winter, you are not forgotten about. Joseph was for two years. For two years, Joseph was still in prison, waiting. Maybe that's where you're at today, a season of waiting. Maybe it's infertility, waiting for a kid. Maybe you're single and you don't want to be, and you're waiting for a significant other. Maybe you are waiting for something to get better or something to finally end. And God's with you in the waiting. God's with you in the winter. And Joseph's winter does turn to spring again. And this time it's very sudden. See, that cupbearer that Joseph had met in prison forgot about him. Well, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh needs help interpreting it. Cupbearer's like, hey, I know a guy. Pharaoh's like, right, one of your friends from Yale, right? No, prison, but he's cool, I promise. You got to meet him. And so they go and they get Joseph and they bring him out. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream for him. So Pharaoh had a dream and Joseph explains that there's going to be seven years of economic prosperity and blessing and like just a lot of finances coming in. And then there's going to be a famine. And so there's going to be seven years of economic hardship. So it tells Pharaoh, hey, what you should do is you should save a lot of the profits and the grain during the seven years of plenty. And that way, when it's really difficult, we've got the grain. We're ready. And this is how Pharaoh responds to it. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, Clearly, no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all of my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. So Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, one of the most powerful and influential ancient civilizations, takes Joseph straight out of prison, realizes God is with him, and puts him as second in command of Egypt. That is a giant promotion. Substantial pay raise, great benefits. And Joseph finds himself in spring. And he's gone from being forgotten about in prison to a place of incredible influence. And just as he was faithful in Potiphar's courts, as he was faithful in prison, now he's faithful but with a much bigger platform. And so he's faithful in spring. And he gets an incredible life. He gets a new family. He gets married. He has kids. He's got a job with a lot of influence and prestige. Things are good. And spring is fun. Again, spring is that time where stuff is new and it's growing and there's new life. That's where Joseph finds himself again. And that continues into a season of summer. And summer is a time of abundance. And I was looking and I was just shocked the other day when I saw so much green. I was out in Brown County and the water was blue, the trees were green, and I came really close to emotionally breaking down and crying after living in Texas in the desert, I'm just not used to green and blue. And it's in the middle of summer here and everything is alive. And sometimes we get those seasons of life, summer, where everything is good and there's an abundance. That's where Joseph finds himself. Even as the ancient world around Egypt turns towards a time of famine, because they had saved and they had followed Joseph's strong leadership, they were prepared for the economic difficulties. 
So much so that the people of Canaan and surrounding lands are coming to Egypt for help, including Joseph's family, including his brothers that originally sold him into slavery. And so they come to Joseph, I mean, not him directly, he's pretty high up, but they come to Egypt and they're asking for help. And Joseph sees who they are and he evaluates their character. He sees, hey, what would it look like to interact with them in a way that's healthy here? And then Joseph decides, okay, I'm going to tell him who I am. And so it's got to be like a weird, awkward, bittersweet, incredibly tense moment. Joseph reveals to his brothers, hey, it's been a while. I'm your brother. Here's how this goes. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. The famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. There will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he's the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. And there's two things in that that I love. First is the humility with what Joseph speaks. And this is the number two guy in Egypt. If he wanted people dead, they're dead. And, and there's humility. He says, hey, hey, God put me here. And the second is that there's no trace of bitterness in how he speaks. Just Chapman opinion here. But if you want to know whether or not you've healed for something, can you speak about it without bitterness? And Joseph speaks without bitterness to the people who hurt him the most. And in this season of summer, Joseph's actually able to rescue and save his family, despite the hurt that they caused. He says, hey, it's okay. And he brings them all to Egypt, settles them into a really prosperous region of it. They get land, and they get to thrive, even when some of the world is hurting. And Joseph got summer. And sometimes we get summer. These are seasons of abundance. Maybe that's like economic abundance, but maybe it's energy. Like, have you ever struggled with depression and you know what it's like to have no energy, whether that's physical or emotional? And then you get that stretch where all of a sudden, like, no, like, I'm good. I can go do things. Maybe that can be a kind of summer. Or maybe that can be creativity and new ideas that are coming and they're just not just starting ideas, but hey, those things are running. Maybe that's new business opportunities that then get fleshed out. Maybe that's, no, it's not just a new relationship, but it's an existing one. And now it's just really good. Man, summer's a time of abundance. And God's with us in the abundance too. I love that Joseph gives God credit for it and acknowledges him. Hey, God put me here. When we're in summer, God's with us. And let's not forget that we didn't get there on our own. What we can learn from Joseph's story is that he's able to grow and be faithful in any situation. In any season, he finds himself he grows, he learns new things, but he's also faithful. He honors God with his head, with his heart, with his hands. It's faithfulness. It's an ongoing commitment to honor God with our head, our hearts, and our hands. So here's, here's what we do. Be faithful in this season. I don't know what season you're in. Whether it's autumn and you're ready for things to change, but they haven't changed yet. Or winter and it's loss or waiting. Or it's spring and it's new growth and new life. Or it's summer and it's a time of abundance. I don't know where you are, but in whatever season you find yourself, be faithful and honor God with your head, with your heart, and with your hands. So there's two things for us to know about seasons. Whatever season you're in, whichever one that is, God has you in this season for a finite amount of time. A season has a starting point and an ending point. Now, sometimes they start when we make certain choices, 
So it's something we did, or maybe a season started because something that was done to us. It was outside of our control. But seasons have a starting point, and they have an ending point as well. And God already knows when that is. Now, we often don't. We typically don't know when a season is over until we're in the next one. My friends that are in a season of winter right now, and it's waiting or loss, you probably don't know when it's going to end, but you'll notice it when you realize, oh, I'm in spring. I guess winter's over. Sometimes we don't know if it's going to go from summer to fall, because we don't know when things go from really, really good to they're about to change. We don't know. So whatever season you're in, be faithful in it. I know that you're in it for a finite amount of time. And if you're in a fun season, I'm not saying that to bum you out. I just want to be realistic and say, hey, they don't last forever. So enjoy it and worship God and have a blast in the good seasons. And if you're in a hard season, it's not forever. It does change. You're in a season for a finite amount of time and for a specific purpose. I don't know what that purpose is. But I do know that God doesn't waste anything in our lives. He doesn't waste a single season of our lives either. doesn't waste a second, definitely not a season. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, Paul writes in the New Testament that in Romans 8.28, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Translation, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, God does not waste anything in your life. And he's going to cause it to work together for good. Now, it's not always the good we would choose, but it's often a good that we can even look back and say, hey, that was good. God doesn't waste anything. God uses Joseph, and Joseph's in those seasons for a specific amount of time. It's finite. He was not in Potiphar's house forever. He was not in prison forever. Also, it was for a purpose. See, God used those things to grow and develop Joseph. Joseph learned administrative skills and leadership from being a shepherd when he's in Potiphar's household. Then even in jail, he made that connection that God would one day use to take Joseph and put him over Egypt. God does have a purpose for the different seasons we're in. Sometimes it's our good, and sometimes it's the good of others around us. God blessed Potiphar's household through Joseph. I'm sure the prison was better through Joseph's leadership. The warden was impressed with it. And then not only Egypt, but surrounding countries were blessed by Joseph through his faithfulness when God put him there. So God has you in a season, whatever season that is, for a specific purpose. So be faithful in this season, whatever season you find yourself in. I'd love to invite my friend Kim Taylor to come on out to the stage right now. And while she does, I want to talk a little bit about next steps. See, we always want to give you a next step, something to do, something to grow in. And because there are so many different seasons and we want to honor God with our head, with our heart and our hands, it's kind of hard to give you a specific season. But sometimes my mind runs like an Excel sheet, and so we made one. So if you're in the front row, they're on the seats. If you're uh, sitting in the auditorium, they're actually in the seat backs in front of you. Um, so we've got some cards that look like this. If you're with us online or you're just a digital person, you can text the word SEASONS with an S to 812-408-1188. And so we got us right here. Hey, if you're in a season of winter, whether that's loss or waiting, here's a potential next step with your head. So it's like a mental step you can take heart, that's an emotional step, or hands, that's like a tangible or physical step. Uh, I always want us to grow and take our next steps. And so this is a tool that might be helpful as you figure out, in whatever season you're in, what does it look like for you to be faithful, for you to honor God with your head, with your heart, with your hands? Uh, So again, you can text SEASONS to 812-408-1188 if you want a digital version. If you're here, you've got these, feel free to take them. Uh, My hope is that they help you figure out what a next step for you could be. We're also happy to have a conversation afterwards if you're wanting to figure what that looks like. There's another next step we all get to take together right now. It's actually why Kim's up here. Uh, I'd love for us to listen to a song that Kim is going to play. 
Kim, could you tell us the song that you're going to be singing for us to listen to? Yeah, the song is called Every Season, and it's, um, it's an older song. It's by Nicole Nordman, but God really used this song uh, for me. It was probably about 15 years ago after um, my husband Chad and I had gone through um, some miscarriages um, in our battle or season of infertility, and um, God just used this song to just kind of remind me that he was with me um, and that spring would come again. Um, yeah, so that's how I found it. So you found the song, and actually, I know that there's some emotional significance to the fact that you're playing this on a piano. Would you share yeah. how that comes out? Yeah, I really, um, I really didn't used to play piano a lot. I mean, I had some piano lessons when I was a kid. Um, I was really more about playing the guitar, but, um, our daughter, Sarah, um, was the piano player, and she passed away from cancer at the age of 15, uh, September of 2020. And some of you know our story, some of you might not. But um, Sarah just loved to worship Jesus, and she would just sit at the at the piano. And so as I'm in the season of winter um, after her death, I found myself being drawn, um, drawn to her piano. And um, I would just sit for hours and play worship songs. And um, so I'm still kind of new at playing piano, but um, it has just helped me so much um, in my healing through my grief. And um, yeah, I know that God's bringing me out of that season of winter into a season of spring. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this song. Um, the lyrics are on the screen, not so much for us to sing, but for us to be able to read and listen uh, as Kim sings this for us. I think it's going to encourage you guys like it encouraged me. <laughs> 